attendees, if you're just logging on, just give us a minute. We're going to give everyone a chance to log on and then we'll get started. All right, hello everyone. I'm Rachel Zabonik-Chanko, Editor-in-Chief of Club Solutions Magazine, and welcome to our virtual thought leadership series. First, I'd like to take a second to thank our sponsor for this session, Radiance, and I'd like to thank each and every one of you for joining us today. We have a really awesome panel for today's session here to talk to us about industry trends for 2022. And I'll start with asking each of our panelists to introduce, them, introduce themselves and share a little about their businesses. Michelle, go ahead and kick us off. I'm Michelle Melkerson Granrid, and I am um, actually changed positions recently. I'm the senior advisor for personal training and wellness with Castle Hill Fitness in Austin, Texas, um, where I've been in management for the last uh, one of our clubs for the last 20 years. And uh, we have two clubs. One is downtown, uh, more of a city club, a very diverse population. And then we have a club that's in a higher end of, of Austin. Um, and um, does a lot of personal service, both clubs do a lot of personal service training classes, multi-purpose clubs. Awesome. Thanks, Michelle. Justin, go ahead. Uh, Justin Drummond, Chief Operating Officer for PF Growth Partners, uh, a franchisee of Planet Fitness. Uh, we own and operate 79 locations domestically and internationally, um, and we are based out of Baltimore, Florida. Awesome. Thank you. Maryland, Baltimore, Maryland. Oh. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Justin. Cher, go ahead. Hi, everyone. I'm Cher Harris, and I'm the GM at the Houstonian Club, and we are in Houston, Texas. We are a luxury health club uh, with a membership of about 13,000. Our facility is about 175,000 square feet uh, on 27 acres in the um, central part of Houston. Glad to be here. Awesome. Thanks, Cher. Aaron, go ahead. Hi, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, Aaron Moore, Director of Operations at Vita Fitness. Uh, we are a company of brands. So we have a uh, gym concept, a studio concept, spas, salons, restaurants, and pool clubs. Uh, so our fitness model uh, is six locations uh, across Washington, D.C. and Arlington, Virginia. Uh, square footage is about 30,000 to 45,000 square feet. And across the six clubs, we have about 15,000 members. Awesome. Thanks, Aaron. Matt, go ahead. All right. Well, got to say, super stoked to be included with this group because some of you I know personally, some of you I just know by reputation. So pleasure to be able to be alongside each of you. And thank you, Rachel and the group for having us. But so Matt Wright, I'm a general manager and partner at a brand new club called the Four Athletic Club here in Central Jersey. We're about two miles from the beach. So we have an eight acre campus. We have 50,000 square feet. And we tell people we're sort of the hybrid of where the YMCA meets the Four Seasons. So it's a all-inclusive and exclusive fitness facility that really tries to bring home the family experience, but also on the luxe side of things. So pleasure to be here, excited for the convo. Awesome, thanks, Matt. And attendees, if you have any questions for our panelists during the discussion, please put those in the chat or Q&A function and I'll try to get as, to as many as I can. 
Um, all right, well, let's go ahead and dive in. Uh, obviously, the topic's industry trends for 2022. So I'm going to have each of the panelists go around and just share some of their top takeaways for the next year. Um, Michelle, go ahead and uh, let's start with you. Okay, well, really, I think we are still, the biggest trend is still figuring out how to get, continue to get our members to come back. And, and as part of that is really widening the scope of who we are appealing to. And so um, we feel that the, the biggest differentiator in, in our brick and mortar clubs is that personal is that personal touch. Somebody mentioned that earlier before we got, stud, got started, is that community. So I think really focusing on the community that we, the communities that we create in our clubs and getting people um, to understand how valuable that is, not only to their physical well-being, but to their mental health. For sure. Awesome. Any others that you want to add before we go to the rest of the group? Um, well, I think one of them might be might be later on, but the other is the staffing issues that I know a number of clubs have been dealing with. And I think that that's a, um, especially the professional staff, the trainers and the teachers, getting them back into the clubs when they've, they've sort of figured out how to do that independently on their own. And we've always relied um, a lot on our internship programs, our relationship with the community colleges. And so we've sort of got a pipeline already in line that we've been working that we've been working with and has been um, something that we are we are really focused on this next year is team training both our trainers and our instructors and how do we do those things that are really going to enhance the community aspect of it so they go hand in hand for sure all right justin would you like to share your um industry trends yeah sure um so uh, a couple of them to mention uh, michelle i think she touched on one of them already is just the uh, getting people back into the gym and being comfortable being in that environment, uh, but more so just not just because of the physical health uh, piece to it, but as Michelle mentioned too, is the mental components as well. Um, you know, I also will be looking at the um, hybrid uh, model that we'll see. Uh, granted, the pandemic shined a light on uh, the virtual aspect of fitness, uh, but you know, I won't say that it's completely going away, uh, but it will be a part of what fitness um, <clears throat> members are going to utilize, go back and forth. Um, so that is, a, is another trend that we'll see in 2022 for sure. Uh, and then the other piece is it thinking about people, the people aspect of all of our companies is as operators, you know, we talk about the great member experience that we want to see, uh, but even more so than that is, you know, what feelings are we generating or going to get out of those members that are in the club? So focusing on that for that person-to-person uh, -person type of interaction. All right, Chair, go ahead. Hey, so what we've seen in Texas is obviously everyone wants to be outdoors. Uh, we've been open for a long time now. Um, outdoor fitness continues to be a trend for us. Um, our members want to be social. We had a fall fest and we almost had um, 750 people at it. So that was one of the largest events we've had in like five years. Um, and so people want to interact. Um, I think virtual is still important for um, our memberships, you know, as an alternative when they go on vacation so they can continue to exercise um, for us adding value to the membership so we can be a one stop shop for our members. Uh, we have a floral 
um, department, we have a bakery, we have a lot of um, different things that they buy outside of the Estonian that we've added to our campus and to add more value for the membership. So they don't have to go anywhere um, else to get their needs met. Yeah, great. What I'm doing too, guys, is I'm taking notes. So um, I'm taking note of any common themes and then we'll circle back and dive a little bit deeper into these topics. But Aaron, would you like to share your top trends? Yeah, sure. So uh, marketing automation uh, has been huge for, for us. It's been a good couple years for tech and software development. So there's several options out there based on how you want to onboard members, get them into various profit centers, you know, bring them through the, the member journey. So uh, fewer staff. Uh, so we have to be more efficient and direct uh, with our communications. So one of the things the, the attendees on this call might consider is doing a renewed demographic study, you know, seeing how your market has changed or stayed the same. Uh, during the past couple of years, you know, how have behaviors changed or stayed the same or, or been cyclical and making sure that's a part of your annual marketing plan heading into uh, 2022. Uh, another thing is just more homegrown classes, uh, signature classes that we're developing uh, with our team of instructors to reintroduce members to the club and the social element uh, and the personalities uh, that involved. And then uh, some of the same trends that we left off with, you know, wearables, wellness, recovery, you know, those are going to continue to boom uh, on into 2022 in the future. So for us, that means more and more square footage is going to that wellness recovery spa component. Uh, and we're sort of dipping into the square footage of, uh, you know, gym space or studio space and things like that. Awesome. Thanks, Aaron. Matt, go ahead. In a five-person panel, you know how hard it is to go last? So uh, Aaron just hit it, right? So I, I think the recovery thing is one of the biggest things that even pre-March uh, 2020, I'll call it, uh, started to come out. And I don't think that's gone away. I think we've seen, you know, we've seen what Thera, Hyper, and many other of those companies have done, Normatech, et cetera. Um, so I think that's going to become because... Part of it, which Michelle started to, and then Justin had brought up as well, the whole like mental fitness, mental wellness component of these pieces. So, you know, Justin had spoken really quickly about like that sort of hybrid model, or you hear this sort of omni, I call it the optimization sort of like focus, which is how are we optimizing our members' experience, regardless of your model, how are you optimizing that? And it's actually exactly what Cher said. She said, how can we bring everybody to the Houstonian to be able to have all these people get it in that one place? We're all similarly trying to do this with our app, right? How do we get our app to almost feel like an Instagram or Facebook where people are checking it or like their email? So that once again goes back to what Aaron said as far as how we're using technology, both automations, templates, when we're challenged with this person power. I did have one that nobody had hit, but Everyone I'm speaking to is telling me personal training is at the highest it's ever been. I don't know a club right now that outside of being struggling getting trainers, they're not struggling getting set up. I know for us, I think we're already building. We've been open six weeks and we're at a 40K EFT already, um, which is a very, very solid start for us. Um, if you actually look at members to, uh, members to personal training, it's actually um, almost 20% right now. That's very promising. Yeah. Yeah. What, would anyone else like to weigh in on the personal training piece? I would agree. I, 
I would agree. I think that the um, biggest thing is making sure that we are providing results, right? That we're really taking good, good care of the folks and doing really thorough needs assessments so that they get what they want when they come in. Because I think we're seeing not just, we're seeing not just our prior members come in looking for training because they were sloughed off during the pandemic, but brand new people who now have have this heightened awareness of their health and wellness and they have specific things that they want to accomplish. And so if we don't, if we don't target in on those things and help them meet those needs, I think we're going to be missing the boat. So I think, you know, reinforcing those aspects with our trainers. Yeah, that's great. Erin or Cher, would you like to weigh in at all? Um, Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, our training is back to where we were pre-pandemic. And I think it's because of the relationships that the trainers built um, pre-COVID. And I think that people just want to, they trust the trainers. um, They want to be with someone they know is safe, um, that will take care of them. You know, now more than ever, people are there's a sense of urgency to become fit or to be healthier, you know, because they really, it's like a giant wake up call for everyone. Um, And so that's, that's been the kind of instigator for our training to get back to normal is um, everyone wants to train. But yeah, that's a great point about the relationships with personal trainers. And I think that'll be a great segue into, you know, I heard a lot of you talk about um, social connectivity, which is obviously, I think, going to be an extremely important trend for 2022. So um, can each of you maybe talk a little bit about how you're at your gym striving to foster connectivity um, or social um, activities that you're doing to bring people together? Um, Aaron, let's start with you. Yeah, so our bread and butter lead gen has been events. Like we're just not very good at digital marketing, Google AdWords, Facebook, you know, things like that. People, you know, our demographic is in front of a in front of a screen, you know, far far too much. So we had a huge uh, Aura Spa, which is our spa brand, uh, open house uh, at one of our locations uh, last night, and we just went out into the community, opened it up to the the general public, and it was a it was a lead acquisition strategy. Yeah, we wanted to present a great event. But we're just trying to acquire fresh email addresses to, to market to. So we did a super simple uh, event featuring our spa, got 353 leads in a couple hours. And, you awesome. know, that's one of our more successful, you know, lead gen events. I mean, I, that 350 leads right now would cost me, I mean, $20,000, $25,000, you know, uh, in, a, in a digital uh, ad spend. So people want that, right? You know, they want to be social. So the, the main trigger words that our members and new members are using with us is, and we see it in our surveys, it's clean, it's friendly, and it's social. Club has to be clean. We're still in a pandemic. I want people to be nice to me, both members and your employees. And I want to connect with you. Like I want to go out. I want to do more in the club than just work out and go to a class and things like that. So for us in our brand, that has always been events. People love free stuff. People love swag. People love alcohol and people love free food. So we're trying to do as much of that without overdoing it as possible. Yeah. Awesome. Justin, would you like to weigh in on the social connectivity aspect and anything you all are doing to bring people together? Yeah, for sure. Um, so a couple of things, um, when we have our Planet Fitnesses located uh, where they are specifically is because uh, we, we saw a, a need there 
for us, um, of course, as a business, but also to be a part of that community. Uh, and that's one of the things that we really kind of hold true to ourselves and our culture internally is anytime we go into an area, we want to be a pillar in that community. We want to connect with everyone who comes in. And that's a part of, uh, again, our culture where we have, you know, four C's that we talk about all the time is creating these collisions is one of them. Collisions is one of the C's. And it's, you know, it's not, you know, uh, actually colliding into people, but it's just having those purposeful moments where you're talking to someone, you're finding out more to them than just, you know, this person comes in every day at the same time, but eventually with that rapport that you build with them, you're going to have a relationship there. And that's what uh, I think that all of us on the panel would agree to is that people come to us because they have a relationship. They have a comfortability that they feel when they come to the gym. They're looking for some place, again, to be social, to connect with someone. They may find a new workout buddy. Things like that happen naturally when they're coming to our facilities, right? And so, you know, over, you know, the past um, year, we haven't really been able to do any of our grand openings for locations that may have opened in 2020 or 2021. So in the past, uh, let's call it two months, eight weeks here, uh, we've kind of been on a rampage going to some of these locations in different cities, finally having these grand openings and they've been well-received. I mean, Aaron just talked about free stuff. Yes, that was there, it was free food, it was drinks, it was you know the community, but more so it was a, a celebration of, hey, we're outside or inside a gym and we're able to talk to people, work out together, meet one another uh, and create these relationships that you know we hope and our goal is that they're long lasting relationships. Uh, and then the final thing I'll say is, you know, again, being involved in a community that's chamber events, that's other people who that may be in shopping centers in which our clubs are located, you know, we become not just, um, you know, tenants with them, but we want to be partners in anything that may be happening in the community and be a part of that. So, I mean, that's that's the way we try to go about it is really be those pillars in the community in which we operate. Yeah, love it. Matt, anything that you'd like to add? Yeah, I mean, you know, being new, right? So we had our soft opening October 9 and our official grand opening in November 1. And because of building challenges, because we took a former uh, the military-based gym and took 25,000 and made it into 50,000 square feet, we couldn't really have the traditional, like, trailer um, pre-sale, right? I mean, people literally weren't on the, able to be on the grounds until almost our ribbon cutting. So we've had to really think outside of the box. And I have two words for everyone. Pickle ball. You'd be shocked at how many people. But that was just the start share. I'm guessing you have it down there a lot now. Yeah. But so what we actually do. So we have a 12,000 plus square foot basketball court. And everyone at first was like, you know, basketball is not going to make you money. Well, what we've done was we've actually laid down six pickleball courts. We found that's the former women's volleyball coach from Princeton University is starting a, a youth and adult program. Then we have two local basketball coaches, one of both of which are actually partners in the business. And then we've also started to do birthday parties and other things. So we're like Aaron said about the whole ad spend, I could spend tons and tons of money, right? The best thing that we can do is invite people here. So we have like a food truck fest coming up. I decided to do the awesome. old school like winter wonderland where you're going to go in there and there's going to be different tables and you're going to make menorahs. You're going to make, you know, Rudolph out of popsicle sticks, whatever it is, because people are looking to get out. And our club, like um, Aaron had said, with the whole clean thing, it's our like, you know, we tell everyone we're hospital clean. We're not just clean. We're hospital clean. 
And that becomes a trigger for a lot of people because a lot of them are finally making their way out. So uh, outside of that, I mean, I, I have to say those types of events have been the biggest thing for community. And then just a different funnel for our drip as far as the points of contact from team members using video messages so that it's not just an email or a text without a person. So we are including those as well, which I think has helped. But sure enough, pickleball was actually the first thing that actually uh, started this whole thing. And now it's just starting to build and build. We actually have our first birthday party in 10 minutes. Awesome. Now, I'm glad you brought up pickleball because that I'm hearing from a lot of operators um, that they're having a similar experience with that just exploding in popularity. Um, and at first it was kind of a popular for older people, but a lot of younger people are really loving it, right? I play almost two and a half hours every Sunday and I'm definitely the youngest and definitely the most tattooed. <laughs> yeah, I know Brene Brown um, has been talking about getting into pickleball. So that's awesome. Share anything that you're doing to build community in a unique way. I know you mentioned one thing, but anything in addition to that? Well, I would agree with the pickleball and boy, <laughs> they are loud. They are loud and proud. Um, we have 10 pickleball courts and we'll, tennis and pickleball here and they just want more and more and I think again it's back to the social interaction um, they love it you know pickleball is a sport where you can talk while you're playing and so they just yeah all ages I mean from very young to um, very old here are participating um, I wanted to Matt had mentioned the mental aspect so what we saw is our members who were older um, that came back right away and versus the members who um, stayed away for a year, the mental um, acuity and just um, their ability to socialize and things we found were so important um, because they lost so much mental capability. Um, it's just like they aged 10 years, 10 to 15 years over the last year. So it was really sad to see that, but um, how important that social, you know, it really reinforced how important the social aspect and community is. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point there. I mean, there's going to be a lot of people, not just older people, um, but younger people struggling with anxiety, um, just being around people. A lot of people can be overwhelming for some of those individuals who have, you know, been isolated more than others. So I think that's a great point that you brought up. But what about you, Michelle, any unique um, community building events or um, strategies that you all are doing? Yeah, you know, I would say there's a there's a couple different layers. One is that I think we do need to be super intentional about the nurturing and the building of our communities and and realizing that it's it's really not one big community. It's a pocket of a bunch of different communities. Right. That are and that our staff pays plays a huge part in that. Right. The inviting of people in. And I think Aaron talked about the signature classes, right? It's not just a signature class and that it's the, at least in my experience, it's not just that that instructor has been, that is the identifier of the signature class, but it's all the people that are attracted to that specific group, right? And so you have these little satellite groups within. And I think being very intentional about that, thinking about who is in, again, that, and that goes back to the demographics, right? Knowing who's in our club so that we can appeal, do things that appeal to those demographics, um, bringing back our book club, um, which, you know, tends to, to be focused on wellness topics, not exclusively, but 
that brings people in who aren't always looking for another exercise to do or fitness activity, but actually are looking to connect and have conversation, conversation, right? So, so building those things back in the other thing um, that we have had the opportunity to get involved in is we have a new park that was built downtown in Austin and they're doing, we've partnered with them to offer free fitness offerings during the week. We just finished our last one in November and we're on a break until um, the weather gets nicer in March. But even though we could probably be outside all throughout the year for the most part. Um, but we are offering free classes on Monday, Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings. And so we are seeing a blend of our community that's already in place attending those programs, as well as incorporating and, and getting people that, that are outside of our community. And that's an opportunity for them to, um, to meet sort of a community that's already in place. Right. So expanding and, and growing on that. And um, and then it really goes back to the staff aspect of it, the training the staff to be intentional about the communities within their class. Right. Using. So when I was heard that, you know, when you invited me to ask this pan to be on this panel, I go out and talk to our members and say, well, what do you guys think? Because they're the experts about, you know, what's bringing people in, why they stay, what have we done well, what could we have done better? And by far the biggest thing was coming into the space, feeling like their friends are there, that there are new friends to meet there. And one of them said something in particular. She said, when you guys use our names, it's not just, it doesn't just make me feel good, but now I feel like I'm friends with that person, not because I've even ever really officially met them, but I know their name now. And so when I see them, I feel like we're friends already. And so I think, again, really intent, being intentional about our responsibility or our opportunity to, to have influence on those communities. For sure. Yeah, well, I want to circle back to what you were saying about outdoor fitness um, and ask each of you to comment. Obviously, outdoor fitness was a huge trend um, this year and last year out of necessity um, in a lot of regard. Uh, so do you all feel that outdoor fitness is going to continue to be in demand next year? And what exactly will that look like? Will you, you know, invest in outdoor fitness facilities or have you, or will it be more um, on a smaller scale with partnerships at parks or um, maybe running clubs? Uh, so I want to give each of you an opportunity to comment on that. Um, let's start with you, Aaron. Yeah, so outdoor fitness is, is huge. So I'll give you a, a bit of a preface. Uh, before the pandemic, we couldn't get people to go outside if it was dark or under 70 degrees. And then the pandemic changed things, right? It's like, hey, whatever I need to do. And now we're doing uh, spin classes out on our sun deck in, you know, a hurricane, you know, force rainstorm. And people don't care. They're just happy to be exercising. So then we closed down the pools for the season in September and put all the tenting back up and the equipment upstairs because people didn't have to wear a mask to be outdoors using selectorized plate loaded dumbbells, whatever equipment that you put up there. And then recently we got the announcement that, okay, you don't have to wear masks anymore. So we went up there to start breaking the tents down and bringing the equipment back inside. And there's a bunch of members up there saying, what are you doing? We're saying, well, you can work out indoors now without a mask. And like, so what? We like being outside, leave the equipment up here year round. The pool's closed for the air, leave it up here. And I was like, you think you'll be using this in January, February? They're like, yeah, we love it. So now we have this and it's good for us because we bought these tents, right? So now we have this model where May, essentially Memorial Day through Labor Day, we have the pool, 
And then when the pool closes for the season during the winter, for as long as this trend seems to last, we're going to have the tents up and the equipment outside, which is great because people can lift outdoors and do some cardio and it frees up more space within the club. So if we had a 30,000 square foot club before the pandemic, now we've got a 40,000 square foot club because people are willing to do all these activities outdoors. So we're extremely bullish on outdoor activities and we don't even have that good uh, outdoor spaces. I mean, we're downtown urban environment, you know, we're doing these things on, uh, on rooftops. So yeah, love, love, love outdoor. Yeah. That's really interesting, Aaron, especially being looking on the East coast in an environment where, you know, it does get cold. There is snow. It's great to know. Um, chair, what about you guys? Yeah, I agree with Aaron. Um, outdoor is still huge for us. Um, you know, we, when we reopened, we wanted to give, we, wanted to not give our members any excuses to not come. <laughs> so we were like, we sit on 27 acres. You can come and work out outside. We've got equipment outside, you know? And so, um, you know, and that was obviously a financial thing for us because we were still charging our membership, but we didn't want them to have any objection not to exercise. And we continue to have um, equipment outdoors and members continue to use it. Again, with the same thing that Aaron said, we try to take it inside and they're like, what are you doing? You know, and we have hot temperatures here, but they love working out outdoors now. Awesome. Matt, what are your thoughts on outdoor and if it'll be a mainstay in 2022 in regards to a trend? I mean, I definitely think it will. Uh, you know, I, I see a lot of people using it. I know, you know, prior to starting this venture up when I was with City Fitness, it, it was huge. Uh, you know, similar to Aaron's uh, sort of environment, we had six clubs throughout Philadelphia. So, you know, we found local apartment buildings that had rooftops that we knew and we were doing rooftop yoga. Or, you know, we were able to find space that wasn't leased at our, East, you know, our uh, East Market location to be able to put bikes and do some outside events. So it went well then. And to my understanding through social and my friends back there, it's still happening. Um, for us now, um, you know, we have four untouched acres. So it's once again, we're trying to see what the members want. So similar to our virtual, um, I actually have an email going out tonight at seven, just related to studio trends, as far as giving the members their voice for the first time since we've opened. We want to know that as well so that we can plan for sort of the back end of Q1, Q2. But uh, right now, it's not any sort of predefined space outside of hearing from our members and then being able to make those decisions. One tough thing for us is, like I said, we're two miles from the beach. So come Memorial Day, most people are, you know, a lot, this is a very, uh, they belong to a beach club uh, community. So a lot of people go that way. So it's going to be, you know, early during the week, probably Monday through Thursday, if anything, people will be. So once again, because there's so many parks wrecks, that's who we're trying to coordinate. And then really the summers, our whole drive is the kids and the camps. So that's why I think the outdoor space is going to be so big for us. Yeah, makes sense. Justin, what about you? What are your thoughts on the outdoor fitness trend? So I, 
I, I've seen a lot of the outdoor trend. Uh, I think it's something that is going to continue to be an option um, for our group. Uh, of course, we, we don't have that option for us in our locations, but uh, to what everyone on the panel has already said, I think that it is something that's valuable for uh, a lot of people, especially given uh, that we're still uh, technically in a pandemic, of course, and people want to continue to spread out and have the option to either go mask or maskless, uh, depending on where they are working out. But I think that it's something that is definitely needed as an option now and for the foreseeable future, I think it will stay around for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's even um, changing your thinking too about what outdoor fitness is. You know, we've talked about um, wellness and mental health too, and being outdoors is extremely beneficial for those. Um, I don't know if you all have heard of forest bathing, which is becoming a little bit pop more popular. Um, and it's literally just walking in the forest. <laughs> forest bathing. Um, and apparently there's just like a ton of benefits to your social or your, sorry, your mental health. Um, so I mean, clubs could even just like organize things like that. And I would consider that outdoor fitness, um, because it is impacting your overall well-being. So, but Michelle, anything that you'd like to add? Um, you know, we, we did some outdoor just to appeal to that small, for us, it was a small population who wanted to be outside because, Austin is very much an outdoor oriented area anyways. So it didn't really change. If people were exercising outdoor, they were walking, they were on the trails, they were in the, you know, stand up paddling, kayaking, all that pretty much goes on year round here. And so we did offer some classes outdoors to expand our appeal to those people who are well ready to come inside. And we'll continue to offer offer some of those. Our downtown club has a, a rooftop space that is conducive to that. And, and we are still doing some outdoor things. Our um, other club, the one that I have typically been at most of the time, uh, they don't want to be on the side. It's too hot. Like Cher said, it's too hot. We have an outdoor space. We've got it turfed. It's got a roof. It's, and they just would rather be inside. So, you know, we use it, the trainers use it more than anything else. So, yeah, good to know. All right. Well, let's talk about virtual fitness. Um, we did get a question about that and I know everyone has a lot of thoughts on that. <laughs> so let's, yeah, talk about virtual, um, what role we feel it'll play in 2022. And Matt, I'll go ahead and give you the opportunity to share your thoughts. Great. So a little backstory to everyone laughing and smiling is because we just got, you know, we, we brought up recent news about one, the magazine article from time coming out about people going back to the fitness facilities. And then also sort of what Peloton has done as far as making adjustments in their expected revenue to come in. So I, I think, you know, and this is a complete personal opinion in the whole virtual thing, which is we just opened our club without having a virtual fitness offering. And we did so because we don't know the information from our members, what they want. Right now, we do need them to come in because we're a brand new community for them to be able to attach to and us for us to be able to be assertive, right? So we're bringing something completely new to all these people. So in saying that, virtual is always going to be there in my opinion, but I think it needs to be understood at which is, are you checking the box or what are you doing with it? And I think... a a perfect example of a company who I think handled this very well is Lifetime. Lifetime's partnership with, uh, what is it called? Like Apple Plus? I'm not even sure what it's called. Um, but I think by being able to know that they could offer their members that service, which is high quality, really good, not with my dog or my baby running around because I'm doing virtual fitness like we had to when it was the only option, I think it's really important. Um, 
I like seeing what people have done. And I think it's also been able to be sort of a la carte add-on for some people. Some it's more of a value stack. But what my encouragement to typically everyone is around the virtual side of things is if you're going to do it, do it well. Second, does it align with your model and who you are? I don't know if that's also something like I think people heard it as a buzzword. So they began doing it. So, you know, it's here, not a doubt in my mind. I mean, actually, we are doing one thing virtually, which is a personal training session is a personal training session. So if Michelle wanted to work with me as my client, but she had a really, really busy day or she was you know, now people where I live, everybody takes the train or the ferry to get to New York City. Now that people are going back to Wall Street, you know, if they're stuck in the city and they can't make that 7 p.m. after they get off the ferry, they can maybe just go straight to their house and we can do that. So that's the one thing we are doing, which that flexibility people have loved. You brought it up earlier. We do try to actually have people, if they are on vacation, stay connected with us. And, you know, we provide workouts in our app and other sort of digital methods that way but not so much as far as the live instruction or the on-demand libraries by any means. So I think that's still a really tough space to get into in my yeah. opinion. Okay. Yeah. Justin, what about you guys? Well, <clears throat> I think that virtual is here to stay. Um, I think that it's something that I think a lot of businesses were working on prior to the pandemic, but the pandemic kind of put a rush on everything for everyone to get active in that space, right? And for, for us, we, we have been for the past few years now really trying to develop our app uh, for Planet Fitness. And with that, a lot has gone into the uh, virtual fitness content and that library that's on there as well. Because what we want to do is, again, I think it was Cher who mentioned it, we want to make sure that people don't have a reason not to be a part of what we have going on. Uh, be it as Planet Fitness, whether it's the brick and mortar side of it, or even the virtual piece, if you're not ready to come back, or you just can't make it back to the gym, whatever the, the reason is, this is another option for you to have there. And it's just adding on to what services basically that we can provide or that whole member experience there. So, you know, again, but going to Matt's point of, you know, over the last few weeks, there's been a ton of articles that have been coming out saying that people are, you know, waiting and anticipating coming back to the gym. And so, you know, we're all happy about that, but I do think that for us to be uh, a well-rounded uh, organization of business to provide an alternative for someone who can't come back, uh, who, who still wants to be a part of it, who may travel or something to that effect. But again, they have it on the app. They have somewhere where they can go to have this virtual piece that they can continue to use and reach as many people as possible to get them into the membership base. I think that it's a good thing and it's something that's uh, going to continue for a long time now, for sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah, we're going to add something. Can I, I want to jump in and just ask to, to, to the panel, are any of you running live virtual classes right now? And then how many people on average, Michelle, would you say is like the attendance? I'll tell you the, the, the intention behind it is really is, is to, it was the way we connected with people when we closed, right? We stayed connected and, and they daily thank us for that. There are some people who are not ready to come back yet. They yeah. are not ready. And so that serves, that serves them. And they've been paying from, they paid when we were closed, like Cher yeah. mentioned. You know, so we were really fortunate. We had a really great population that continued to pay. The other thing though, is it does, it does the same thing as personal training virtually does, right? By offering a class that it's, we don't, 
we're, it's not sexy. It's not, you know, it's not, we're not competing and we're not looking to compete with, with Peloton or anything like that. But what it does, it does keep our folks connected intentionally to our community. So if you can't make it to my class, you can get to me online. The music fits with the mic. We've got it. We, you know, we've got the camera in the room so that you're going to get, you can imagine that you'd be in the environment. I don't, we're not going to sell memberships to people who want to take our classes online, but if you're part of the community, it's going to support that when you have to be home because the plumber might be coming. Right. So, so it supports it in that way. And we are continuing to do that. And, you know, I'll just go on from there and just say, we use it also for the personal training. A lot of our trainers are just still doing um, it, a combination, right? They might see the person two times a week and then see them virtually once a week because they can't make it in or they're in Maine for the summer. It has really stabilized our personal training during those seasons that were light because we have snowbirds or, you know, people who are going to other parts of the country when it's really hot here and there's no excuse for them not to continue working out with their trainer anymore. Yeah. I think it sounds like it's just kind of defining the why behind why you're doing it. Like, is it a value add? Um, are you using it as a retention tool? Are you using it as a um, way to monetize and bring in more revenue? Um, I think that'll probably help a lot of club operators determine if it's something that is worth doing next year. But um, Aaron, would you like to share what you all are doing with, in terms of virtual fitness at Vita and just your perspective on that? Yeah. So let's, let's talk about virtual in a post pandemic uh, world. Cause you know, I'm sure we're all sick of hearing about virtual in the pandemic world. So um, in my mind, virtual has relevance in every step of the member journey. So let's take the beginning. Uh, virtual is a lower price point. There's no intimidation. Uh, and it's a way to get familiar with the brand and familiar with the instructors without going, you know, full membership mode. And it gives you an opportunity to, in a consultative way, work with the prospective member and suggest uh, club visits or the next class and things like that. So that is a component that we ultimately added to our virtual program is you get two club visits a month. Uh, and we want to encourage that because, you know, virtual is a gateway drug for us. You want virtual right now? That's fine. You want a lower price point? You're a little bit intimidated. You want to kind of test drive the instructors? That's fine. Take this virtual product. It's a third of the price point. And then you have sort of the middle of the member journey. Uh, and several of the panelists uh, alluded to this already. Uh, people travel. People go on vacation. And now, as a benefit of having gone through this pandemic, we have a skill set in virtual to where they can take the club with them and stay connected to the brand, whether it's group X, live classes, personal training, what have you. And then you have the end of the member journey. So, uh, you know, there's places out there, Houstonians, one of them, where they may have three generations of family members in the club. I'm in a major metropolitan area where the average length of membership is about two years because DC is super transient and people are constantly coming and going. People want to stay connected to the brand but their family and their professional lives move them elsewhere. So it gives us an opportunity to keep them connected either long-term or while they're transitioning to another fitness option or another, or another club. So, you know, for those reasons, uh, it continues to remain uh, relevant for us. And Rachel, you mentioned it, like there's gotta be a why behind it. So, you know, that's our why. Yeah. Makes sense. Chair, anything you'd add on this? Yeah, I think, um, 
Michelle and Aaron are right. I think the engagement with those particular trainers or those instructors is so important. I mean, I myself, when I travel, I take our classes um, because I know what I'm going to get. You know, I don't when I sign on to Peloton or something else, um, I don't know the instructor and I don't know it's going to be a good workout or a bad workout until I'm 15 minutes in and then I wasted my time. Um, so that engagement is really important. Um, as a luxury health club, we don't ever see us not opt, um, offering it. We planned um, to offer it before the pandemic and we kind of started on that route. But again, as Justin mentioned, it was fast forwarded. Um, I think we do a good job of it. I think we'll always have a library I mean, God forbid if this should happen again or something else happens in the world. You know, we had a winter storm, which all of you up north laughed at us, but we can't deal with those type of temperatures down here. Um, you know, and a lot of our members during that week, um, they, you know, they still had phones. So they took their classes on their phone and actually kept them warm because we had no heat <laughs> down here and no electricity. So I think it's here to stay. I don't think um, for us, um, you know, or for any club provider, I, I think it's essential, um, you know, because of that member engagement with their, your instructor or your personal trainer. Yeah. Hey, Ray, awesome. Thanks, can, I, can I add one more thing there too? Yeah. Um, Aaron touched on a, a key point here is about the, uh, the member journey, right? Uh, and so again, for, for us, what we like to look at is, a, obviously being engaged through that entire journey, but also a lot of the members that, A, we'll probably see coming into the gym in 2022, but more so kind of what we've always been uh, attracting or setting our environment for it with Planet is uh, the population who uh, doesn't know, right? They have five fears. They don't know what they're supposed to do when they get into the club. So I think the virtual component or at least that library of content that's there uh, serves as uh, an educational piece too. Uh, for people who come in and may not even feel comfortable asking somebody right away, so how do I work this piece of equipment? But they can look on their phone on the app and get that answer right there in front of them. And that makes them feel a little bit more at ease to adjusting to the gym environment, especially as we're talking about going into 2022. And the people who have now had this uh, resurgence, hopefully, of getting into the gym and getting healthy and feeling uh, better about themselves and uh, health in general, uh, I think that that's another component that the virtual uh, platforms uh, will add to. For sure. Yeah. And to your point, I think some clubs are even experimenting with, um, virtual wellness sessions, um, nutrition, um, virtual, um, sessions with registered dietitians. So it's not just virtual fitness in that sense, um, virtual wellness. So great point. All right. Um, one of the things that you all shared earlier, just touched on briefly were hiring challenges, staffing challenges right now. I know a lot of clubs are really struggling in this area. So I just want to spend a little bit of time on that. Um, can each of you go around and maybe just share some things that you're doing? Um, well, one, are you experiencing hiring and staffing challenges? And um, if so, what are some things that you can do to overcome it? Erin, um, let's start with you. Yeah, so staffing in the hiring process has a, has a timeline, right? So are you coming up with strategies or are you making excuses? So when I hear people say, oh, there's no massage therapists available, or we don't pay enough, or we don't have enough hours and things like that. The first question I always ask is, who told you that? You know, who are you talking to? Are you making those 
excuses and assumptions or are people giving you that direct feedback? If they're giving you the direct feedback, then act on it. You know, if you're paying too low to acquire the talent that you need to acquire, if you want to be in the game, then you got to pay more. So it makes simple. But the big thing that I've learned, uh, and I talk to people about this all the time, is it's not hiring, it's recruiting. The game has changed. Like you can't just go on Indeed, do a job posting, get 20 qualified candidates and pit the best one that, you know, fits your, your culture. Like there's too much noise around there. Um, you know, people are, you know, ethical, unethical, people are actively poaching your people. Like it happens in every department uh, of my business. You know, I have the salon down the street trying to recruit every single hairstylist that I have. So we need to make sure as operators that we have brand awareness within our own marketplace as a good source of employment. You know, we have to be where these people are looking. You know, is it sales and management? You know, you got to be on LinkedIn in your geographic area looking at those people. If you want uh, massage therapists, hairstylists, estheticians, you probably need to be on Instagram looking for those people. So the job postings are, are a thing of the past. Like we have to become experts in recruitment. And this is a skill set that most hiring managers within our industry don't have. You know, they've never had to excel at this. So whether you outright hire recruiters within your HR department, or you're going to train people and bring in external resources to coach your team on the skill set on how to recruit on LinkedIn and how to recruit on social media and how to tastefully go to, uh, you know, competitors and other businesses and see if you can present uh, a better opportunity. You know, that's the game. And then on the compensation side of it, like you have to know, uh, the salary ranges for the positions you have in your ge geographic market. You have to benchmark salary. You have to benchmark uh, commissions. You have to benchmark bonus structure. You have to benchmark benefits. Uh, and what do you offer in addition to just health insurance and 401k? And, you know, take 401k, for example, table stakes is minimum 3% match uh, for every, you know, employee working, you know, full-time hours uh, or more. So, and there's some goal setting that's involved uh, in that as well. But I mean, we could have a whole webinar just on recruiting and compensation, but I'll, I'll leave it there. Yeah. I mean, to your point, a lot of clubs have a member, a member acquisition strategy, but not necessarily a talent acquisition strategy. So Matt, I'm sure you just had to do a ton of um, hiring, hoping up, opening up a new facility. What was your experience? I mean, I just want to say, Aaron, uh, you killed it, my friend. And what I love and what my brain was going through is, is like um, last week when I was at uh, Club Industries event, one of the things that I had brought up was almost exactly along the lines of what Aaron was saying, which is like, what are, what, think about all that goes into your member recruitment. What are you doing for your team member recruitment? And the way that I actually had talked about it was I, I literally said, all right, for example, with trying to find and retain and keep, because we always talk about we want to provide this career path for our business, blah, blah, blah. So then I said, all right, well, let's go to a company like Google and review all of their employee benefits. And for the next three or four minutes, I was reading everything off rapid fire. And then I said, let me go to the fitness industries, gym membership. And that's been one of the greatest challenges. So that's what's made the recruitment so difficult, which is not being able to supply things like the 401k or whether it's health benefits or uh, just life benefits, right? Like, you know, we have a financial planning program. We have a college uh, advisor actually who helps us with our new people. So we sell that as far as why people want to be with us. Have we really changed how much we're paying people? 
No, not really, but we've actually increased a lot of the employee benefits for us. I think if anything, the biggest change we made is we salaried personal trainers. Uh, we gave them a base salary. Some people just say, hey, it's a draw, but we're giving them X amount of dollars. And then that at least puts the keeps the roof over their head and food on their table so that once they then beat that, they can feel better. We're way past the days of $10 an hour. And in my opinion, we're past the days of just saying, here's your $10 an hour. Well, when you end up getting somebody, because what they all just learned was I can go charge somebody 50 bucks an hour under the table for something I charged $80 at my gym and I saw 25 bucks. So other pieces real quick though, because we did just hire like 50 plus people and we're not done. Um, Just not as many, Um, but we also tried to control. So I didn't see the volume as I have before in typical gym openings that I've seen. Um, But we also went a different route as far as the process, which I think also helped. So it wasn't really a volume of candidates coming through. It was more fitness industry experience. We didn't get as much. So then we really started to go to the retail, hospitality, restaurant, those types of things. And I mean, both my salespeople have never sold fitness sales. And one of them came from the wedding industry. And the other one came from, well, maybe a little bit, but uh, she worked at a school of rock. And she was more of a performer. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Yeah, you got to maybe expand your... uh you know, what you used to look for in the past maybe isn't necessarily the best. So yeah. I think that's a great, great tip. We even have a hire who he's actually, cause we're on an old military base, but he's a former Lieutenant Colonel and we built a relationship with him cause he saw the process and we actually brought him on as our head of culture and leadership. So his number one goal is to make sure that everyone's being led and that he maintains the culture and the morale of the team. And we start that with day one, everybody meets with him. And because we want people to know the history, right? Uh, Richard Ernie from Midtown shared it, which is, you know, you can say all the features and all the benefits in the world, but people will actually remember the stories that you tell them. And that's one that stands out. Yeah, love it. Cher, what are your thoughts on hiring and any tips for overcoming hiring challenges? Um, We've had our fair share of hiring challenges, particularly in the hospitality and um, the spa industries. Um, Childcare also is just insane. Um, We just hired a executive spa director and she actually came from Park City, Utah. And so she was at a property there that was seasonal. So basically she had to hire 50 estheticians and uh, massage therapists for the season. And they were all on call. And so she has a lot of great ideas Um, and different things that we had never thought of in hiring. She went back through all of the resumes that we had ever um, received and not hired. And she just called these people up. And so she hired eight people um, in the span of a couple of weeks, just by going through who had applied before she got here. Um, You know, your staff referrals are the, the best Um, you know, if you have a great culture and you treat your employees well, and, um, they enjoy being with you, money is not everything, but the culture definitely, um, they're going to tell other people about it. And uh, it's, you know, the club industry is a very small industry. And so word gets out if you're good, if you're a good club or if you're not so good club. Um, so that's. I mean, that's my advice. 
Um, but I, I would say that, you know, think about going through, if you have been around for a while, think about going through old resumes that you've received that you haven't hired. Yeah. They may be in a different place in their life. They may be ready to join your team. Yeah, for sure. Michelle, any um, words of wisdom on this topic? Um, I, Matt, I love the fact that you guys are doing salaries for personal trainers. I think that that's, I think we really need to reevaluate how we compensate and, and our expectations for those folks. Um, but I also, um, we've always done a lot of mentoring and intern and working with interns uh, in our area. And so um, many of the people that we hire for frontline front desk are people who are down the road want to be personal trainers, group instructors. And so we're making the investment of time and some money to get them trained up and not only, not only get them trained and, and, but also um, pair them with staff so that, for example, if I'm paired with a, um, you know, one of our interns, one of our mentees, then I got to be out of town for a day or I got to, you know, have to do a webinar. Um, that, tr that trainer has worked with me, has seen that client. I can pass that session on to them in a way that is safe. The um, member feels comfortable because they've been in contact with this person. They know that they're being supervised and it just, it, it, it sort of heightens the, um, the experience both on both sides. The trainers feel really comfortable when they start working with those clients because they've really had the experience already. So um, for us, that's, that's a real big piece and important piece of what we do. Yeah. Awesome. Justin, before we go on to the last question, anything that you'd add on hiring? Uh, well, first I'll say that everyone gave phenomenal answers here. I think there's a lot of tips that we all could use and uh, that have been shared today. Uh, but one of the things that we've been focusing on is, and I think it's been mentioned already, is just, you know, it, yes, the dollar amount that someone gets paid is important. Uh, I think we all can recognize that. But I also think is, you know, we have to expand our offerings uh, outside of just pay and a gym membership. Uh, but it also has to be, well, you know, employees saying, well, what are you going to do for me type of thing uh, besides paying them? So it's for us, we're looking at e EAPs and how can we get uh, you know, some some programs together for the employees to say, because you're working with us, you have access now to this. And whether that's, you know, mind and body wellness techniques or programs or whether that's, you know, therapy for people who may need it or even just saying we're going to do more personal and professional development outside of what you're currently learning. Because one thing that I've found, and I'm sure everyone can attest to this as well, is that people are with us either for a reason, a season or a lifetime. So in that, what are we offering to that employee that if they're here for just a limited uh, period of time, that they'll return back and say, well, I learned that when I was with this company, but I can use it here. That's the professional development and maybe even personal development in that, in that regard, too. But it's also being able to be flexible and understanding from your employee. What do they need? I mean, we've, we've done employee survey to figure out what is it that you want from us? What can we do from our standpoint to uh, attract more talent, uh, get you to refer people to us, uh, but really just say, we are gonna invest in the talent that we have to continue to, um, to, to build on our culture. Cause that's one of the, uh, the biggest things that we talk about all the time is our culture. 
And how is that going to be uh, a representation of our employees, how they treat the members and how they go forward from uh, working with us thereafter to, to say that that was a great place to work or I want to stay here uh, and tell more people about it so that hopefully we can get out of the, the different challenges that we've had already uh, through this last season. Yeah, great advice, Justin. All right, My well, only are... other, I'm really sorry, I know we're there. Oh, yeah, go I'm going to just toss it. Retirees slash early retirees, people who ended up losing their job from the pandemic has also been a huge avenue for us. I forgot to say that, but as everyone was talking, so that's it. But that was a huge avenue for us to just have conversations with people. It filled our kids brigade staff. Uh, it also helped us on the weekend, just as far as like our member experience team, as far as the people just making sure it's always a good vibe. So, yeah, no, that's great. That's really good to know. Well, we got a couple minutes left, so I'm going to give each of you an opportunity to share just like your final pieces of advice. Um, in particular, you know, what would you share for um, how, what's the best piece of advice you could give for how to lead your business in 2022? Um, Aaron. Yeah, so I'm going to double down on making sure that you're taking care of your team. Um, and so that's both uh, financial and, you know, mental health. How have they been doing? You know, we've been doing this for almost uh, two years. And there's not a lot of money to be had to spread around and say, oh, we're at the tail end of the pandemic. Like, I'm going to take this money that I don't have and just pay everybody what they're worth, you know, all of a sudden. But uh, we've learned how to do more with less. So what we can't have, in my opinion, is staff that's not performing at the highest level. So if you've got 100 employees and 80 are performing at a really high level, like cut the 20 that aren't, take those payroll dollars and spread it among uh, the 80. And again, don't just like throw money to throw money, but really benchmark each employee, each position within your geographic market. Don't worry about what the rest of the industry is doing, what's happening in your geographic market and making sure uh, that you're taking care of your team because you'll see anybody, like any intelligent operator out there will tell you ad nauseum, take care of your team, your team's gonna take care of your members. So. Yeah, great advice. Cher, what about you? Best piece of advice for operating a business in 2022? Um, yeah, I agree with Aaron. And and no, I don't. Um, haven't done a very good job of this because uh, we're in the midst of a renovation. But take care of your team. Uh, make sure that you're still having fun. Um, <laughs> this past year was not really fun. <laughs> and now that we hopefully don't wear masks and we can have fun together, we can go, we can be together as a group. Um, make sure you have fun. Like we have a turkey toss coming up um, this Friday for our employees. We have the children's party again. So we're starting to have fun again. Love it. Michelle, what are your parting words? Um, I think that one is to be nimble, right? We, we learned very quickly that um, not, be, not be afraid to change, not be afraid to try new things. And, um, you know, if something doesn't work, it's not that big a deal. We can always try something new. So I think being, being less stuck in the way that we've always done things, I think is really important. Um, and I would agree with Cher, I, having fun is, is key, really, really key. Yeah. Justin, what about you? Uh, for, for 2022, I, I'm kind of already deeming this the year of the great return for everybody coming back to the gym. So, you know, I, I would say that advice is to be excited uh, about what's to come, be enthusiastic, 
uh, be ambitious, but also be thoughtful, whether that's about your member, again, creating those feelings that we want them to have when they come and leave the gym, that makes them want to, again, return back uh, in the near future, uh, but also about the staff. We talked about it. Take care of your people. Um, so that's that's definitely advice there. And then the last thing is, I think Michelle just touched on it, is be flexible, uh, but also preserve this core. And by I mean preserve the core, whether that's the core people that you know, maybe that's that 80% that Aaron talked about that you know are going to uh, give you their all and help you out in um, uh, dire need or just everyday performing, uh, but also preserve the core as far as what is your why? Why are you doing this and why are you in this business, uh, whether it's to change lives, to create a healthy environment for people? For people. Uh, but again, those would be my top uh, piece of advice for 2022. Awesome. Thanks, Justin. All right, Matt, go ahead and uh, part, share your no final words of wisdom. Whatsoever. Uh, I think this is the biggest calling of leadership for every single one of us, for owners, for uh, senior managers, leaders, whatever else. I think that what you can do to influence and impact because everything that I think each of you just said falls underneath that umbrella, taking care of our staff, having fun, so on and so forth. And I think that's what it is. I think that all of us who just went crazy for 18 months, 24 months, whatever your amount of time was, I think we need to reflect inward and say, all right, if I want to be that leader who I want my team to be, or that I think my team thinks that I am, that's what you need to get back to. And the only way you do that is if you make those investments. So I challenge everyone on the panel, everybody listening as well, which is be that person of influence and impact that you know you can be, because I promise you, your team will follow. Love it. Great note to end on. Awesome. Well, panelists, thank you guys so much for sharing all your insights with our attendees. Attendees, thank you for tuning in today. Everyone have a great rest of the week and happy Thanksgiving. Thank you, Happy Thanksgiving. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys.